It's in the Old Testament. Tell some fishing stories this morning. Sure glad you came. Good to see baby Anthony and baby Asher today. I'm glad you all came out here. Again, I said in Sunday school, but if, uh, I appreciate the prayers and the calls and the texts and the cards and the gifts and all that, and uh, I think we're going to be all right. I think. <laughs> Amen. Jonah chapter 1. All right, when you find your place in Jonah chapter 1, would you stand? I'll give you a chance to stretch out one more time. Jonah chapter 1. Read a few verses here. Probably just read the whole chapter here and then uh, give you what the Lord's put on my heart this morning. <clears throat> All right, Jonah chapter 1. The Bible says, beginning in verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid. And you know it must have been bad if a bunch of professional fishermen were afraid. (laughs) Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots. <laughs> They're gambling on a sinking ship. <laughs> That's something. It's a daily scratch off, you know. <laughs> uh, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? So uh, what is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceeding afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled... From the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Isn't that the weirdest thing in the world? Everything's going crazy, and he's like, yeah, Just throw me overboard. That's a great solution, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know how you read your Bible. I read my Bible. Are you kidding me? Throw me in. No. Nevertheless, yeah, the men thought it was stupid too. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee 
So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) And offered a sacrifice in the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Brother Cole, would you ask the Lord to help us in the preaching this morning? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated here. Here in our text this morning, uh, as Brother Cole mentioned, is an old familiar story with a tremendous body of truth in it. Many of you have known this story since you could walk. Jonah and the whale. And it's a whale of a time he had. (laughs) And the whole thing, we've all, many of us have heard it from just a kid. I would say probably everyone in here has heard it from a kid. And uh, what you want to take note of real quick here on the introductory part here is in chapter 1 and chapter 2, the key word is down. The key word is down. You see, when you make the choice to run from God like Jonah did, well, you're going to go down. (laughs) You're going to go the wrong way, aren't you? In uh, chapter 1, verse 3, when Jonah runs, you see he goes down to Joppa. And in verse 5, in the same verse, uh, he goes down into the ship. He goes down to Joppa. He goes down to the ship. Uh, In verse 5, again, he goes further down into the sides of the ship. So he's going down, down, and down. And finally, in chapter 2, verse 6, Jonah goes all the way down to the bottom of the mountains. I guess that's as low as it goes. There's nowhere else to go. (laughs) Matter of fact, you get into Jonah chapter 2, I think it's uh, 2 there. He talks about in the belly of hell. It don't get any lower than that. And in the Christian life, there there are reasons that we go down. There's reasons that, can I say it like this, we backslide. If I say the word backslide, do you understand that? Uh, you You can't lose your salvation, but when I say the word backslide or go down, of course, I'm talking about a proclivity to walk away from fellowship with the Lord. So I'm not using backslide in the old southern terminology of losing something. You can't lose your salvation this morning. Isn't that a blessing? But you sure can lose your fellowship with the Lord. And in this text and in this very short book, matter, I would challenge you this later on, just read the rest of the book. We already read one chapter. You only got three to go and it's done. All right? And it's a great read, and it tells a lot about uh, Christian life practically. But what, there's reasons in this book why Christians run. There's reasons why Christians run from God. And you say, why are you going to preach on running? You sure ain't doing any of that lately. And and that's the truth. And as I sat here this last week, and and I appreciate the prayers, and I'm not just saying that because I need some filler. I've got plenty of stuff to say here. But I tell you, it's been been a difficult, I don't even know how many days, what, 10 days? How many? I don't know, whatever. I've lost track of time. But 
and even down on my backside there, sitting on that couch, I wanted to run. I wanted to run from I wanted to run from pain. I wanted to run from reality. What's the reality? Well, you just ain't going to get out of that couch and hop around. I don't care how many times you watch Forrest Gump, you're not dropping that brace off. It don't matter. It don't work that way. You're going to have to, you know. I wanted to run from the fact that my wife's trying to get me to stretch my leg out and do the exercise. I don't want to do it. Just leave me alone. Let me sleep. Well, if you sleep, then you don't get the help you need. I wanted to run. Say, where did you run? Uh, In the recourses of my mind, I guess. (laughs) And, And the Lord kept bringing this thing to my attention over the last few days. Why do you want to run? Why do you want to run? Uh, and the Lord kept bringing Jonah, the things you think of. You blame the pain medicine all you want. It's just I'm thinking Jonah and the whale, Jonah and the whale. And the Lord's like, yeah, I want you to look that thing up. That's why you want to run. But in the Christian life, there are reasons that we backslide. There's reasons that we run. There's reasons that we uh, run the opposite the way that God tells us. You know the story in a nutshell. The Lord says, hey, Jonah, I want you to do this. And Jonah's like, uh, talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. And he went the other way. Right? That's, that's how it goes. And uh, you know the story there. But many times we go backwards in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It just happens. And unless you're a good lion Baptist and then you're just, you know, sitting in the pew and you're all good and all that. But you go backwards in your relationship with the Lord. And what happens after a period of time is then you begin to go backwards in your relationship with your family. And then that thing begins to transcend into other aspects of our life. Like then you'll start going backwards in your relationship to your workplace. And then you go backwards in your relationship to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that thing has steps. And it's all because you just chose maybe to go a different direction than the Lord wanted you to go. You realize if you're here today, the Lord has a specific direction for your life. You realize that right. Uh, it's not just, you know, you know, pin the tail on the, the donkey and it's not just put a blindfold on and, you know, just take a, just walk by willy-nilly. No, it's just the Lord has a, uh, he has a specific pathway laid out for each child of God. He does. And many times we're like Jonah and the Lord's like, I want you to go right here. And you're like, no, Lord, I don't want to go through the middle aisle. I'd rather climb over top the pews. And three busted shins later and a broken tailbone, you're like, I probably should have just walked the aisle. Right? And there's reasons. And I'd I'd like to preach just a little bit about that. I want to give you this verse to consider. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. The Bible says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Say, what in the world does that have to do with Jonah, a whale? Well, look, many times when you start backing off your fellowship with Jesus Christ, you begin to find a new low, don't you? And you wake up, and the next morning is like, oh, gloom, despair, and agony on me, right? And all you can fill in the blank. And it's just, oh, it's just so terrible. And life is just so bad. And all of a sudden, things turn up a little bit. Someone is nice to you at work right? Or something happens to you and uh, you have a good day, right? Oh, I just had a really good day. And then you forget that the real problem is your relationship with the Lord. And then all of a sudden you just go on about your merry way thinking things are fixed, but you never fix the problem. 
What I'm saying is the Lord doesn't always reach out of heaven and beat you with a stick. Aren't you glad? Many times he just lets you wallow around where you're at. He lets you do what you want to do. And so there's many times uh, the Christian often becomes like Pharaoh. Remember old Pharaoh? He wouldn't let God's people go, would he? And every time there was a little reprieve in Pharaoh's life from the hardship, he did what? He hardened his heart just a little bit more. We're like that so many times in the Christian life. Our fellowship, we get out of focus, we get off center, we get a little sideways with the Lord, and there's a little bit of breath of fresh air, and we're like, oh, things are better now, and they never got any better between you and the Lord. So many times we become like Pharaoh, and you harden your heart more against the Lord. But I'd like to preach a a message if I can. I have no idea how this is going to go, so we'll just give it to you. Uh, it's everything I can do to sit here, but I can't walk around. That might be uh, entertaining. But I'd like to preach a message entitled, Reasons We Run. Reasons We Run. And of course, when I say run, it's because we're often running from the Lord. We're running from the Lord. I want to give you some reasons right here in the text why Christians run from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you heard some good preaching last Sunday, last week, about preaching about the Bible and then preaching about making mistakes and then just real good practical preaching. But the fact of the matter is many times we don't always embrace that relationship as we should. We often run from it. And just because you're here today, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you came for your, own, for your own benefit. But I'm glad you, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to see little Anthony and mom and dad this morning. That's a blessing. It really is. And I'm glad to see all of you and Asher and, and Asher's mom and that and our visitors today. But remember, we're talking about our personal relationship with the Lord, the most important thing ever. Can I tell you, first of all, from our text, the reasons why Christians, uh, they run from the Lord, it might seem a little bit disjointed, is often you just get spooked. You just get spooked. Look at verse 1. Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to what? Something spooked that boy. You ever do any deer hunting? You ever tiptoe out to that deer blind early, early in the morning or in the afternoon? And all of a sudden, that deer, that doe, or that, that yearling catches a whiff you and gone, right? You know, I know the boys love to do for years and years. They love to hide in the closets of our house and try to scare the fire out of their sisters or their mother. If they can get their mother to, to get all worked up, boy, that's, that's like the highlight of life. You know, you've arrived if you can scare mama, but she's, she's a nurse. She's stoic. She's like, she don't act surprised, you know. But they can get the, you know, their sisters. And you know what Jonah was, I believe? You know why he took off? He got spooked. Jonah heard something he wasn't very familiar with. Does that make sense to you this morning? Jonah just got spooked. And uh, uh, Jonah was spooked because he wasn't as familiar with the Lord as he thought he was. You ever hear something from the Lord and you're like, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> this is a, are you coming across right? Uh, that's not the Lord that I know. Doesn't the Bible say in verse 1, uh, that the word of the Lord came to him. You ever hear some preaching or you ever read some Bible and that thing just cross your sideways and going, really? And next thing you know, you're running the other way. Why? It spooked you. Can I say this this morning? 
The Lord don't want to spook you. He wants to speak to you. You see what I mean? The Lord does not delight in getting you all packed into the church house and then scaring the daylights out of you. Now, look, if you're here today and you're without Jesus Christ, I hope he can get you hell scared. I hope you're scared of hell. And I hope, Christian, you're scared of hell enough to tell people about Jesus Christ so they don't have to go there. But we're not talking about that. When it comes to your personal relationship with the Lord, He doesn't want to spook you. He doesn't get this crazy uh, glee like my boys do of scaring the pants off their sisters. You know what I mean? Oh, they think, oh, that's just the coolest thing. The Lord's like, no, I want to speak to you. But why, why Christians run and why Christians do some of the unseemly things they do is they're just not familiar with the Lord. They're not familiar with His Word. So all of a sudden they hear something, they're like, ah! They're on the first thing for the coast, man. And uh, I want you to consider, this city of Nineveh was uh, full of Ninevites. That's the Assyrians, historically speaking. And you are in time, you're 80 years from the Assyrians attacking Israel. And they are sworn enemies of Israel. Are you picking this up? So you know what Jonah hears? Go preach to your enemy. It spooked him. He didn't know the Lord like he thought he did. Jonah thought, I'm I'm a Hebrew. I have the oracles of God. We are God's chosen people. We are important. We are special. Nobody is like that Jew. Amen? Ain't nobody like that Jew. That's ample of God's eye. Don't mess with a Jew. But all of a sudden, uh, the Lord told Jonah, hey, you go preach to that Assyrian. And, And you know what happened? It spooked the daylights out of Jonah. Because you know what Jonah knew? That if God's going to speak to you, then he's going to be merciful to you. And for a split second, he about flipped out. He about had a heart attack. I don't know if you ever had a heart attack before, man. I've got to be scared you half to death. And that's Jonah. Go preach to my what? My enemy? Are you nuts? Right? And all of a sudden, you get an irreverent view of the Lord because the Lord wants you to do something you didn't think the Lord's going to do. You want me to tell the Assyrians about what? Mercy? Lord, are you crazy? Do you know what they do to their captors? Well, here's the thing. If Assyria got right, then God would spare Assyria, the Jews' enemies. And you know what Jonah wanted? Jonah wanted his enemy to die. You read the rest of this chapter. He eventually goes and does what God wants him to, right? But he don't do it with the right attitude. Man, you know this thing's written to Bible-believing Baptist. We'll do what God wants us to, but we're going to carry a grudge. And we'll forgive our enemies if they treat us right. And what it did, I'm just telling you this morning, the reason Jonah ran is it spooked him. He wasn't as familiar with the Lord as he thought he was. I wonder, I wonder how you are when it comes to the Lord. When the Lord talks to you, does he spook the daylights out of you? You get all nerved up and run off the scene, can't handle it, don't recognize who it is. I can't believe the Lord would let that happen. I can't believe the Lord would, would say that. I can't believe he would let one of his preachers say something. Do you really know the Lord like you think you do? Listen, the Lord doesn't want to spook you this morning. Despite the messenger, the, the poor delivery, he wants to speak to you. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him this morning. Now think about it. If Assyria didn't get right, then there was a chance that God would spare Israel. Well, 
history says in about 80 years, Israel doesn't get right, and God spares Assyria, and Assyria is chosen to take Israel captive. You see how that thing plays out? So Jonah's like, I got to tell my enemy what? That if he gets right, he'll live? Uh-uh. How about that, Christian? You got some enemies in this world? What if the Lord told you this week, I want you to go tell your enemy about Jesus Christ? Would you do it? Or would you just probably be like Jonah? Well, I got to go to the shop of Walmart here. Nah, we're good, Lord. And then he puts, uh, you know, your Ninevite friend, the job of Walmart. And you're like, oh, I just, I, I don't have any tracks today, Lord. <laughs> Sorry. He's your enemy. But Jonah got spooked. You need to realize, I've said it twice now, that God doesn't want to spook you. A lot of Christians think that the Lord works in a spooky manner. He doesn't. He's very plain. Old preacher told me if it doesn't make plain country sense, that it, it's not biblical. You hear some of these crazy nuts out there, so the Lord works in mysterious ways. I understand that, right? His ways are not our ways. But isn't he pretty plain with you? Isn't he pretty down to earth? Doesn't he just deal with you like where you're at, right where the chicken scratches? And Jonah got spooked. You know how the Lord wants to speak to you? He just wants to speak to you daily through his word. That's it. He wants to speak to you daily. He wants you to speak to him in prayer. See, that's a great part of the Christian life. He speaks to you through his word, and then you get to speak to him in prayer. You know why our Christianity is so off balance? We get spooked. We're not balanced in our approach to God. Some of you might read the Bible, but then you don't pray. And then some of you pray, but you don't read the Bible. You need them both. He speaks to you through his word. You speak to him through prayer. Tell me about a relationship that ever worked with only one person doing the talking. It don't work that way. I've been married 20, a few years. <laughs> I get it wrong every time, so at least 26, right? Oh, I knew I'd get it wrong. 25, 25 and uh, 11 months. You know what happens if I'm the one doing all the talking? You say, you're sleeping on the couch, right? <laughs> I'm doing all the talking, it ain't working. If she's doing all the talking, it ain't working. Someone's getting bent out of shape. So you read the book so he can talk to you, and then you turn around and you reciprocate that thing, and you say, Lord, okay, I'm here, and I'm worried about this thing today. And By the way, thank you for the blood, and thank you for saving me, and thank you for the promise of heaven, and thank you, Lord, that I don't have to be on this earth like Methuselah did for 969 years. Thank you, Lord, you only gave us 70 years and maybe 80. And I thank you, Lord, uh, that, you know, my wife still loves me. And thank right? And then you get to talk to him. And you have a good relationship, good uh, communication with the Lord. You won't get spooked as easy. Some Christians, they come into the church house, a preacher preaches something like, ah! Out the door they go. Why? They don't know who this fellow is. And I understand some preachers, they, they don't do the Lord justice, do they? They don't. You're like, the, the Lord don't talk like that. But the Lord's not looking to spook you. That's, what I'm saying. That's why Christians run this morning. Christians get spooked like a deer going out to the blind early in the morning. You're just walking like Squanto out there the best you can, you know. You break that little twig and that big 30-pointer, gone. As a Christian. And uh, he wants to... Speak to you through his word. He wants to speak to you through prayer. You know what else he wants to speak to you through? He wants to speak to you through preaching. 
honestly, as a preacher, you know what I believe the preaching is for? Not only to help you with the Word of God, but I believe the, the Lord uses preaching to help confirm what He's done with you during the week. As I look back over the last uh, oh, 30 years of sitting under Bible-believing preaching, what the Lord has done with preaching, He's confirmed what the Lord has showed me throughout the week. That's one of the greatest compliments to any preacher is you come up to the preacher and say, man, I was dealing with the Lord, and, and you just preach exactly what the Lord wanted me to hear. That's a blessing. But he wants to speak to you so you're not spooked. Uh, but so many, uh, so many don't know the sound of his voice. Do you know, you know the sound of the Lord's voice? I'm not trying to get spooky with you, but do you know, do you know how he speaks to you? You get over there in 1 Kings chapter 19, and you've got Elijah there, and he's uh, running away, and he's depressed, and he's discouraged, right? And he's, he's running from old Jezebel, that old wicked queen. And you know what happens? He gets over there in the mountain, and there's a great strong wind. Great strong wind. I mean, like you could fly a million kites with that thing. It was so strong, right? But you know, the Lord wasn't in the wind, was he? Uh, and, uh, but then next come next is an earthquake. And it's, oh, you know, the mountain's shaking and quaking and the rocks are breaking and all that stuff. And, but he's not in the earthquake, and all of a sudden there's a fire, a great big devouring fire, smoking fire. I mean, bring the fire, but the Lord's not in the fire. And you know what happens? It's that still small voice, ain't it? See, Elijah wasn't fooled by the earthquake. He wasn't fooled by the fire. He wasn't fooled by the wind. He waits until the still small voice before he comes out to meet the Lord. And I'm just saying this morning, do you know how the Lord speaks to you? Well, reasons Christians run, number one, you get spooked. Let me give you this one, number two. Uh, not only do you get spooked, but sometimes you get spiteful. You get spiteful. Look at verse 2. Uh, chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And you see verse 3, but Jonah rose up to flee. Now listen, think about it. We talked a little bit about Nineveh. They're wicked people. They're barbarians. History says they would mutilate their prisoners. They would rip up their women with children. They're just vicious. I mean, they'd make Al-Qaeda look like a bunch of Girl Scout and Boy Scouts. That's Nineveh, or whatever you call that crazy camel group over there. But the only reason you wouldn't want to warn others about their wickedness and the wrath of God is because maybe you're just downright spiteful. You ever stop and think about yourself when you got saved? You didn't deserve it. I don't care what kind of home you were raised up in. You didn't deserve God's grace. You didn't deserve God's mercy. You didn't deserve God's benefits, but yet you got them. You ever stop and think that the reason you wouldn't be willing to warn someone else who is your sworn enemy is because maybe you're just a little bit spiteful this morning? Is this too practical? The Lord's like, look, the reason you're running, you're just a spiteful little brat. Spiteful. Now listen, when you're spiteful, you know what you, you do according to Webster? If you're spiteful, you have a desire to vex others. You have a desire to annoy others. Does that sound familiar, brothers and sisters? Some of you thrive on annoying your siblings. If you can just irritate them, you just, I mean, that's your purpose for living today. You just get them mad. I remember my sister, my, uh, my, my blood sister there, she's a couple years older than I am. And I remember uh, 
And I wasn't allowed in her room, and, and rightly so. But you know what I'd do? I'd hide behind her door in her room and just irritate her. And then she'd try to throw me out of her room, but I was a bigger boy, and she couldn't. Oh, just lie. That was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> you can't move. Of course, I would never do it when Dad's there. And you wouldn't either. Mom's there. They'd beat the fire out of you. You know what I mean? And I'd sit there, and I'm like, well, I'll, I'll leave your room if you, can, if you can move me. Well, one day she come at me with a shoe, and I move. But anyways, I'm just saying... What is that, spitefulness? That's where we live, isn't it? We just like to annoy people sometimes, right? Moms, dads, every once in a while, you just want to annoy your spouse. What's wrong? I don't know. Need a hug or something? But you're just spiteful? You just want to prove your point, right? Bible says only by pride cometh contention. The reason you argue is because you're full of pride. No, it's because I'm right. Thank you very much, pride. <laughs> Only by pride cometh contention. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the only reason you argue this morning is because you're proud. Only by pride cometh contention. Okay, family counseling's over. <laughs> but uh, to be spiteful is a desire to vex somebody. A desire, how about this? A desire to injure somebody. Is that you? You want to hurt somebody else? You know what those people are? They're sadists, sadistic. You like to injure people. You get a sick kind of glee when someone else gets a bad uh, thing in life happen to them. You better be careful about that. You're spiteful. You know why Christians run? Because deep down they're spiteful. You know what that spite turns to? I'm trying to help you this morning. Uh, Never forget, though, when a preacher tries to prepare a message, the Lord has to preach it to the preacher first. And then I got to digest it, swallow it, and then spit it back out. But when you, if you're not careful, number two, when you get spiteful, it'll turn to selfishness. And the reasons you run as a Christian many times is because you're just so rotten, stinking, selfish. Amen. Good morning. Aren't you glad I can't walk around and spit and snort? Everything becomes about you. That's why you run. Now, someone's going to have to help me out on this. You have to be the bride at every wedding. You have to be the corpse at every funeral. I've seen them. Someone's getting married, and some jack wagon get up and preach a 15-minute message. Like, good grief, all they want to do is kiss and go have a honeymoon, and you got to stink and make the whole thing about you, pal. Right? The bride at every wedding, and then the corpse at every funeral. Someone loses love, oh, oh, this happened. Shut up, it's not about you. Christian, you know why you run from God sometimes? You're selfish. You wait till you have to depend on someone to do just about everything for you. You get selfish real quick. Your spitefulness turns to selfish and after a short period of time of you not getting recognized. You're not getting recognized. You're not getting the spotlight. You're not getting the preeminence. Like Jonah, you know what you do? You split. You'll flee. You'll flee from the presence of the Lord. Why? 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 I didn't think it was all about that. What? Not you? You ever stop and think the reason why you run from God the way you do is because you really do want everything to be about you? You do want everything said right about you? You want all the blessings of God patted on your back and you want your... Your britches padded with cotton so you don't have to sit on anything difficult. You want all the gardens to be rosy without thorns? You're selfish. 
That's why you run. I can just I can just see it now. Jonah. He's probably a good church member. I can see it. He takes off to Joppa. You know, had a whale of a time. And uh, they got church that night. Hey, where's Jonah? Where's Jonah? You know, some people have that gift that even when they're not here, they're still sucking all the oxygen out of the room. You following me? You doing all right? Or am I just making it all up? You know, it's really for somebody else. And they're so good at it, they're so selfish that when they're not here, people will be like, where are they at? I, don't, I wonder if Jonah's sick. No, he's, he's always here. See, see what he's doing? He's sucking the oxygen right out in the cotton-picking window. Why? Selfish. Got to be about him. Where's Jonah? I don't know. He normally comes. You see, Jonah's made himself the center of attention. He's kind of got the... Uh, only child syndrome. <laughs> that went over well. And it will always be somebody else's fault. It will always be the preacher's preaching. You know. Well, if you would have went to that school out west where you learned to talk right and where you learned to enunciate and where you learned to accentuate words positively and always be uplifting, good grief. That ain't reality. That ain't where you and I live. You know, I know as a human being, sometimes it's just your turn. And around my house growing up, every once in a while, it was just my turn, and I was going to get it no matter what. And in the Christian life, the Lord loves you, and you're his child, and every once in a while, it's just your turn. The Bible says instructions of reproof are the way of life. If you're looking for a time in life where no one's ever going to be instructing you and you're never going to be going through a difficult time, it ain't going to happen unless you're sleeping or in heaven. But I'm just saying your spitefulness will often turn to selfishness. And it'll be uh, someone's fault. It'll be the preacher's preaching. It'll be the preacher's wife. It's got to be her fault. Then them bratty preacher kids. Amen. Or some brother or sister in church who just didn't treat you right. You say, what are you preaching about? Reasons that we run from our personal relationship with God. I've talked about the church, although many times it manifests in that, doesn't it? When your relationship with the Lord is off kilter, it throws everything in your life off kilter. And then things stop clicking in the home, and things stop clicking at the workplace, and things stop clicking in the family place, and things stop clicking at the church place. Why? You're out of fellowship. There's something a little bit off. Well, reasons you run from God, you're spooked, you're spiteful, your spitefulness turns into selfishness. How about this number four? Many times Christians run from God because they'd rather sleep than face the storm. They'd rather sleep than face the storm. Went through a period of a couple days where uh, the pain in this leg and knee or wherever it was coming from, my head, my brain, or lack of brain, and I couldn't get comfortable. I couldn't get, an, I couldn't get one, I couldn't tie one hour together while I catch a lick of sleep. So what happened? I got, I got unbearable. It got bad. All, all I wanted, sleep. And you lay down in the bed, and it hurt. And you sit up in the chair, it hurt. I'm not whining, I'm just telling you, the Lord's dealing with me. I can't sit, and I just want to go crazy. But all I wanted to do is sleep. All my family wanted me to do was sleep. 
But you know what? In the Christian life, sometimes the reason you run from the direction God wants you to go with your relationship is you just rather sleep than face the storm. And sometimes in Christian life, you just kind of face the storm. And you can't pretend it's not there. But that's what Christians do. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, chapter 1. The Bible says, uh, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea that the ship was like to be broken. So the Lord sends out a great storm, right? Who caused it? Jonah did. Jonah caused it. The Lord sent it. Like, oh, I, you know, Jonah's like, I need a new car, Lord, and I need new tires. And the Lord's like, you need a storm. <laughs> Here you go. Prayer answered. <laughs> Amen. Now look at verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So you know what they're doing? The men, the men, the real men are trying to face the storm. Does that make sense this morning? And they're doing everything they can to make the storm passable. That's what you got to do sometimes in Christian life. You got to stand up there in the bow of the ship, the stern of the ship, and get the sea spray right in the face. And you got to say, All right, Lord, I see the storm. That's got to go. That baggage is hurting me. And you got to cut that loose. And then, it'll, then you'll see something. You go a few spells or whatever, another watch in the night, and you're like, Man, we got to cut that off, or else our ship's going to sink. You know what you're doing? You're facing the storm. Some of you sailed through some storms you thought you'd never come out of, but you did. And man, when you come to the other side, you're a whole lot lighter, weren't you? And the Lord stripped from you some valuable things that you thought you'd never live without. But you know, Jonah, you don't want to get rid of nothing. He just wants to sleep. You know why some Christians run? They just rather, they'd rather pretend it doesn't exist, you know. Well, you know, not my ship. Not my ship. I'm good. I don't need to pinch in and lend a hand. We'll let the professionals take care of it. They don't need me around there. I'll just, I'll just show up when I jolly well please. Okay. Keep sleeping there, big boy. Help yourself. Well, isn't that a sign that he's in the will of God? No, it's a sign he's an idiot. Amen. He needs to be helping out and he won't help out. Why? I'd rather snooze than face the storm. And you know what Jonah does? He goes to sleep right in the middle of the storm, sent by God that he caused. I see that in Christians. Storms they cause, busting everything up around them, and they. <sighs> I can just pull the muscle doing that. You know what that tells me? Many Christians are content to sleep and ignore the very storm God sent along to get their attention. You ever consider that God sent the very thing that you're dealing with to just get your attention? Just, just look, he's not looking to sink your ship. If you're on his ship, you're not going down, amen? And the old ship of Zion I see, right? It ain't going down, but he wants, you to cut, he wants you to cut some stuff loose, though. Well, Christians, they'd rather go down and let everyone else do the work instead of face the storm. And sometimes you're just going to have to face the music, aren't you? That's one of the hardest things in the Christian life. You know, when times get difficult and you start going through some things and maybe you start going through some unpleasant things and maybe, maybe reaping some things you didn't really want to and you're 
got guts enough to admit, yeah, I probably caused that storm. One of the hardest things is to sit still and go through it. You know, Christians I've seen more and more in the last 10 years, you know what they want? They want instant relief from the storm. Well, look, if it's a cell phone, yeah, you can do a quick restart. But in the Christian life, you don't always get to press the restart button. You see what I mean? There's some things you mess around in this life, young men. You don't always get to press the restart on your marriage. Sometimes you can wound that gal so deep, it'll take 5, 10, 15 years before you get her trust back. So what are you doing? You're facing the storm. Yeah, I got it quiet there, didn't it? This instant reset Christianity. That's for the birds, man. That's Jonahism. That's Jonah. I'm going to go have a sleep. Uh, I'm going to press a reset, you know, a little hard reset. And I wake up, it'll all be better. <laughs> and a pig's eye there's been some things I've hurt my dear bride, like dumb things I've said. She'll hang on to it for years. Why? That's the way God made her. God made all you women to be that way. And a man treats you a, a way he shouldn't, it'll wound that gal. And you just can't expect a, you know, kiss, hug, and make up. And we're all good, honey. And she's like, yeah. About two weeks later, you get quiet, and she'll get to thinking, I wonder if he really meant I was an idiot. I wonder if he really meant the things he said. That stuff takes time. You've got to go through that storm. You've got to weather. But Christians often run from what God wants them to do from a personal relationship. They just rather sleep. Oh, I know it's bad out there, but I'm not sure why. Everyone knows you're the cause, but you. Why? You're sleeping. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 14, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So we say this, wake up. It's time to wake up, Christian. And they say in the world of politics, oh, just if the people would just wake up. You can't wake up if you're lost. Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. I'm just giving you reasons why Christians run. Many Christians are content to sleep and ignore the very storm God provided for them. And because they're sleeping, that enables them to keep running, keep backsliding, keep going backwards. You know, Jonah, you know, not my ship, not my problem, not my church, not my ministry, not my family. Now, look, Christians run from all this stuff. You know what? Some Christians run from the brethren. You know what I notice here? You've got, uh, you've got Jonah was spooked. He was spiteful. He was selfish. You know what he was? As soon as he walks on that ship, you know what he does? He practices over-separation. Why wasn't Jonah up there with all those other men? Why don't, you, why don't you fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ? What's your problem? It's <laughs> the message. <laughs> right? You ever stop and wonder? You ever stop and wonder why you can't fellowship with people? Is it really all their fault? You're just going to go sleep under, under the hull and, you know, well, when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout for victory. Amen. I'm looking forward to that day too. Well, why can't you fellowship with the brethren? 
little over separate in our view. Christians run. They're spooked. They're spiteful. They're selfish. They're willing to sleep during the storm. They over-separate. Let me give you this one here. About done. Christians often run from God because uh, they know they could get swallowed up any time by a whale. They know it's coming. You ever walk the other way on the Lord? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I have. You ever walk the other way? You know the Lord wants you in a relationship with Him, and you're like, yeah, I just, I'm just real busy, Lord. I mean, I know, Lord, you look, you don't understand. I know you're God and everything, and you made everything, right? And, and you're just like the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. But you just don't understand what it is to be a northern Michigan country boy. You are seriously stupid. But Christians often run from the relationship with the Lord because they know at any time they could get swallowed up by the whale. Look at Jonah chapter 1 verse 12. He says, uh, and he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is come upon you. <laughs> no kidding. Instead of responding, I probably should get right with the Lord. His focus is still on himself, and he says, get rid of me. That is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. He, he loathes himself so much and thinks highly of himself so much at the same time. He's like, yeah, I'm the problem, so just get rid of me. Isn't that what we say? Get rid of me. How about that? But a Christian who runs many times would rather get swallowed up. He'd rather get thrown overboard. He'd rather get thrown, uh, thrown out. He'd rather, uh, he'd rather be gotten rid of than to get right. I mean, did you see, did you see him going over the board, over, overboard? You see that fish? The last picture. Can you imagine the last you know, selfie Jonah took? Well, let's do this. It's getting late, and I'm sorry. Let's find a place to unhitch this thing. Reasons to run. A Christian will run because he's spooked. He's not familiar with what the Lord said. A lot of Christians aren't. Maybe you're not today. Maybe you don't spend enough time in the book. Maybe you've just got this little surface familiar. You let Christian radio. You let Christian television. You let Christian friends dictate to you who the Lord is, and that's not who the Lord is. Maybe it's because you're spiteful. Maybe it's because you're selfish. Maybe it's because you'd rather sleep than face the storm. And maybe you'd just rather get swallowed up than sail straight. I wonder what this story would look like if Jonah would hit his knees on deck and cried out and said, God, I'm running for you. I'm sorry. And would you please stop the storm? All the prophets in the Bible that I ever read about, they had that special touch of God on them. Why did God throw him overboard? But even amidst all this, I want you to see the Lord's response. If you look at Jonah chapter 2, we won't read it. I'm just about done here. In Jonah chapter 2, it's all about Jonah doing business with the Lord. See that? Jonah does business with the Lord in chapter 2. Why? Now he's had a new lull. And that's what I'm hoping the Lord doesn't have to do, some of you all. I'm hoping the Lord doesn't have to take you to a new lull. Because he will. And Jonah chapter 2 is all about Jonah finally getting to a place where he has to face himself 
and do business with the Lord. But look at Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Once Jonah does business with the Lord, look what it says. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. You see that? Jonah does business with the Lord as big of a mess as in a flop as he is. And just like that, in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, the Lord says, here, let me give you a second chance. Word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time. You know what the first thing he tells Jonah to do? Verse 2, arise and go. You know what that means? You can't stay where you're at. If you want the Lord to deal with you, you've got to get, get off of where you're at. Arise and go. And then he tells him to do what we originally told him to do. Christian, you don't have to run this morning. And look, you can run and be sitting in a pew. You can. We're not talking about, you know, running from God in the far country, but maybe you are. You can run from the Lord sitting right on the church pew this morning. And if you're all swallowed up, you say, oh, preacher, you don't understand where I'm at, and I'm all swallowed up, and they throw me overboard, and nobody likes me, everybody hates me, and nobody wants anything to do with me. Okay, well, great, you're in a place to do business with the Lord then. Sometimes that's what it takes. Why? Because every time the load lightens a little bit, you go farther in your own direction. And the Lord's like, fine, I'm going to have to get that big old whale, swallow him up, now he's going to have to do business with me. You do business with God. If you do business with God today, listen, Christian, if you do business with God today, he'll speak to you again. And you don't have to run anymore. When Miss Curran comes to the piano this morning, I want to open up this altar and just say, hey, are you willing to come speak to the Lord this morning? Are you willing to let him speak to you? Christian, you don't have to run. And maybe you're here today and you're not running. Maybe you just want to make sure that your fellowship is in such a place that you don't want to be tempted to run if you hear something you're not familiar with. As she begins to play, would you just come speak to the Lord this morning? Say, Lord, how are we doing this morning? How's my relationship with you? Lord, I don't ever want to be guilty of going a different direction than the direction that you want me to go in this life knowing that my relationship is the most important thing. Not my life, not my job, not my finances, not my family, not anything, but my personal relationship with you. Is my heart right with you this morning, Lord? Lord, don't let me run unless I'm running for you.